excuse me. Hello, I'm Eagle. Eagle Gardens. Eagle Gardens one on Instagram. And this is fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 256. Hopefully you guys have had an amazing day. I know I have. Got a special guest with you for us tonight. Uh Bless Co-Seeds. How you doing tonight? Uh, first of all, you want to tell us where we can find you and tell us how you're doing today, my friend. I'm doing excellent, man. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Bless Co-Seeds. You can find me on the Northwest 47 Discord server, Lemon Hoko. I make some pretty cool drops there, and sometimes I release clones and some cool stuff there. Um, and you can email me at blesscoseeds at gmail.com. How you doing today? Yeah. Having an excellent day. Getting work done. Doing a lot of chemistry. It's finals week. So that's always fun. <laughs> you know how that goes. How about you? Chemistry, that's a pretty serious topic, man. That's not uh that's not child's play there. It's pretty pretty detailed uh study there. Yeah, I studied plant breeding and genetics at um, Oregon State now. It's just part of the part of the gig, man. But it's fun though. I enjoy it. You know, it's a challenge. It's nice. It's not gotta keep yourself challenged. That's for sure. Life's too short to just kind of sit back. I guess. So you got to, man. Challenge. <laughs> So uh, let's let's get to know uh, West Coast a little bit. Uh, when was your first? Uh, I guess we'll just dive in. Uh, when was your first introduction with the plant? When did uh, cannabis come uh, waltzing into your life? Yeah, so I, I think I was probably smoking herb, you know, throughout elementary school, and like, you know, just kind of like every other kid, just like buying bags and. You know, I, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, and it's like I was telling you earlier, man, I was kind of blessed to have access to, like, really good weed all the time. And so, you know, I, I fell in love with it at an early age. I got in trouble for it a lot at an early age because, you know, you're not supposed to have it, you know, at school and things of that nature. So that was always fun, you know, dealing with that. Um, but I didn't really start growing it until uh, I was, like, 19 years old. I got paralyzed, man. I got, uh, I got hit by a bus on my crotch rocket. And I got paralyzed and it turned from like just smoking herb to get high to like, damn, like I really need weed. You know what I'm saying? Like I have to have it. It was like kind of the only thing to look forward to at a certain point in my life, you know? And so it went from like just being, I'm going to go buy a dime bag to like, all right, now I'm going to grow in every inch of my room and I'm going to all dry the herb above my bed if I have to. Like, I'm just going to go all the way into it, you know? So, yeah. That's how it started, but uh, from there it just kind of snowballed, man. I met the right people and got involved in forums back in the day, which is where a lot of really good growers kind of chopped it up. And uh, yeah, man, I was blessed. So I met Subcool. I think when I was 19, I I went to a Seattle Hemp Fest and I brought I grew out some of his seeds and I brought him some herbs, some Pandora's box. I remember and. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I was just all I did was grow weed at that point. That's all I cared about. That's all I did. So I, I had some pretty nice flowers, and he was pretty. He was really impressed with them, and so we ended up exchanging clones and you know getting to know each other and like 
doing a lot of stuff uh, as far as going to cups. And he took me to a lot of places and him and Miss Jill really took care of me when I was younger, kind of showed me the ropes of what it was like to do the seed thing instead of selling flour, you know? So it kind of, it was like, I went from just buying herb to growing herb to let's make seeds really quickly. You know, within about a year, maybe two, it was like, all right, I'm gonna just start making seeds. I'm not really gonna push out weight. I'm gonna start doing the seed thing. And then, you know, I just made a lot of crosses kind of off of what everybody else kind of does, you know, with basic selection as far as, you know, bro science stuff, stem rubbing and, you know, just knowing the plant, having the relationship with the plant, growing a lot of clones. I grew so many clones, man. I can't even tell you. I mean, like I've, I try to grow everything I gave my hands on. After I found out that there were so many different types of herb, that everything was so unique and so different, it became like a obsession for me <clears throat> to find every like different clone I could. The first clone I ever got actually was at a cannabis church. This was like right when Washington State first went medical. And the only way we could really get away with it was at these churches. And so I went to this church in Seattle that was literally a weed church. Like they kind of worshiped weed. It was really, it was a little bit, it was, it was kind of, it was different. And I got my first cutting, which was Killer Queen, which is a strain by Vic High. And it, I think they, they said it was Vic High's cutting of it, but you know, people always say crazy things. You never know, but I always wanted to, because it was a really nice cutting. And so I ended up exchanging that with Subby and, you know, then I, from there, I started selling my own seeds and selling subby seeds at like cannabis markets and going around the state, you know, and uh, meeting other breeders. I met Lemon Hoko, Jinx Proof, all types of really awesome other breeders, man. I just linked up, traded clones. I passed clones to a lot of different people and, you know, just try to link up with as many people as I could. And yeah, man, it's been a journey. I'll tell you that. I started a 502. Eventually, I was like one of the first, first people to start a recreational cannabis grow in Washington and that was gnarly I did that by myself for like five years that was tough I had some really good success but it was just tough man the rec games not really designed for like kids in wheelchairs with no money you know it's like it's just not man it's designed for people with a shit ton of capital and you know I did really well but I my passion is with the with the seeds man and making really special um, crosses and that's just kind of where my passion is I always liked growing the heirloom clones, even if they were kind of not the most financially feasible clones to be growing, you know, but that's why people love my herb too, you know? So I was doing a lot of really special clones and um, my majors in crop and soil science. And I study soil biology with Elaine at the soil food web. And so pretty into soil biology and seed biology and, you know, I've got pretty in-depth with it now, man, ever since I started going to college for it. It used to be something totally different for me than what it is now. I'll tell you that for sure. My programs are totally different for breeding. So I know a lot of people, they just kind of, it's almost like they go to the pound and get dogs at the pound and then they let them make puppies, you know, and that's the seeds that they sell, you know. That's kind of how I look at it now when I look at breeding and selections and people's programs and what they truly know about what they're doing so yeah it's an interesting thing how it's changed for me man <laughs> that's kind of a lot but that's what it is all right 
Well, that's awesome, man. I'm glad that, uh, you know, it's taken you to a second stage. You know, you just didn't hang at, uh, you know, your first phase in the game. You know, I appreciate that, man. It's very respectable. Very, very respectable. Yeah. Too many people these days are like just uh, going to the pound, I guess. (laughs) Too many people are just going to the pound. That's what it is, man. I mean, it's like you get a nice dog at the pound, you, you give it the name Cookies, and then that's like you're letting Cookies have puppies with every puppy on the block because they all have nice dogs too, you know? And it's like you're not going to breed the next German Shepherd that way, you know what I'm saying? Like the way that you really need to do it is to have designed programs where you're breeding for selective traits and trying to make those traits homozygous, which means they have the same alleles for the same gene, you know? So it's like, if you can get those plants to be homozygous for at least one trait, you can use that to breed to other plants that maybe you've also bred to be homozygous for another trait. And it allows you to create things that are more uh, um, predetermined. You have a better idea of what you're going to get out of it. You know, nothing is ever absolute, especially when you're dealing with recessive and dominant things at at that point. But it definitely allows you to have a better idea of what you're going to get and kind of steer things in the right direction. You know what I mean? That's really what we're doing as plant breeders is steering things in the right direction. It's not so simple as everything is inherited through, you know, simple Mendelian inheritance traits. You know, there's, there's linked traits, there's polygenic traits. There's, there's a lot of different things that go into it. So it's not just as simple as that, but that's what we do is we try to make it to where it's most of the time you're going to get what we thought and told you you were going to get and that's something that a lot of people don't do a lot of people they just find plants that are nice they put them together and they just think well both of these were nice plants i'm gonna have some nice progeny out of the seeds you know or there's another thing where they like to get a clone and they'll make seeds they'll cross something to that clone and then continue crossing back to it and think that they're cubing that way but you're not necessarily cubing that way if you don't understand what alleles the male the original male out of that F1 that you're using to take back to that mother, you don't know what alleles are in that male. You've never done outcrossing and testing to see what traits are actually in that male. So it's not necessarily a backcross if you're not recombining the same DNA, you know? So that's kind of the problem that a lot of people have is they don't really quite understand what they're doing. And so they're kind of doing a pseudoscience kind of bro science thing and selling it to people. And then people are ending up paying a lot of money for seeds that aren't necessarily what they think they are. They think, Oh, I got a cheese BX. Why is it not so cheesy? You know? And it's like, well, because what made cheese cheese might've been a very specific allele for either a flavor or smell, or, you know what I mean? That's something very specific. And if you don't have that same allele being recombined because you chose the wrong male that doesn't carry that allele, or maybe it was, heterozygous and when it separated and the gametes separated you didn't get the one that had the cheese smell so that's why your progeny don't have that cheese smell and so what I try to do um, is like for instance with the atom splitters I will try to isolate one trait just go after one thing you know obviously don't disregard all of the negative things along the way if the plant's you know a mutant that only grows an inch in five years you're not going to work with that plant I mean that's just obvious but if you can select for one thing, like just selecting only for that sour terpene and making it to where 
maybe by the time if you do it right, you get to F3, every single one of the progeny, every single one of those seeds, they all have that sour terpene. And so you know the only alleles that it has are for the sour terpene. And so if I have that, that's true breeding for sour. So now if I want to pair it up with something else that maybe improves the structure of it, sour kind of grows real tall and lanky and wants to fall over, you know? If I can breed it to something else that improves the structure of it without um, being dominant over that sour terpene, I can have a really nice cross that way. And I know that I'm passing the sour terpene because that's the only alleles that it has is for the sour terpene. So it's nice to breed two true breeding plants for separate traits together. Because if they're dominant traits, then the seeds right away are really nice seeds. You know, it's like, if I told you I could give you a Girl Scout cookie that vegged fast and was high yielding and still had the same flavor and resin profile and bag appeal, you'd be like, hell yeah. Because cookie has terrible yields and it grows slow and it's kind of a shitty plant. You know what I mean? Because they kind of selected for only those qualities, right? And so a lot of people don't believe in that. They think, well, if it's a high yielding plant, it's going to be shitty weed. Well, it's all about your selections and what you're using to combine to create something. And if you're just out there shooting at whatever and you're not shooting at a target, that's kind of not really that, that's not that fun. You know what I mean? It's better to shoot at a target and try to make something with a specific purpose. You know, it just makes sense. And I, people are not really into that type of thing, I guess, like I am. So, but I kind of learned from people like Subby and Lemon Hoko who do a ton of testing, especially Lemon who breeds dogs and is really into that same sort of thinking when it comes to breeding of having a purpose and combining actual science with a relationship with the plant and knowing what real chem is, you know, and knowing what real purple urkel is by growing out all these clones, which a lot of people have never really done that they've got the wrong clone or, you know, they're not really into it enough to really get their hands on things like that. So, yeah. I like you. I like you. I do. I really do. Uh, you're backing up pretty much everything that I've said the last few years and see what uh, more with facts. You know, I'm not, uh, I don't have all the terminology. I haven't went that in depth into breeding. I have friends that are breeders. I'm a grower. You know, I know my place in the line. <laughs> but I do know, you know, I do have some very deep opinions on seeds and seed recreations and stuff like that. And uh, I have a problem with some of it. And, and, and then I also have a problem with people bitching about their cost of their seeds too, because people don't know what it really takes for quality breeders like yourself to bring forth quality strengths. They don't come over that. They just don't go to the pound and smack two things together. You know, there's time much much time into putting forth one quality strain and then that's just bringing it to fruition you know what i mean that's not even smacking a label on it kidding a cool name that everybody might like and then marketing because you haven't even made a dollar yet on that you've got years into it and then you you know you're putting forth your baby and you're hoping you know it could be the greatest thing to you but without you know you're in a market now where there's t-shirts and all this bullshit you know for their strains and it may not even be a good strain but it's got a cool t-shirt <laughs> you know what i mean that's the recreational cannabis market is what you just said 100 percent. that's exactly what it is it, it's sickening too it is so sickening it's crazy and My that's you know i've been 
Oh, oh, sorry, my, buddy's ahead, name, my buddy's name is Fancy Pack Mids, and it's just like that's exactly that's everything, bro. It's just Fancy Pack Mids. They just have really nice packaging, and the fuck the herb is not that good, man. It's all. I mean, I don't want to like totally hate on Rockwell Salt Grown Herb because that's not the end of the world. I think that it's an awesome tool for that situation. It's just like to me personally, it just makes the herb kind of all taste the same and a little bit more bland and the expressions I guess of the herb are all not what I'm used to it's just not what I prefer you know what I mean but that's what 502 is you know it's like I've given really nice clones to 502s and watched them turn it into something that's like whoa they're like what is that and I'm like that's the clone I gave you and they're like no it's not and I'm like well it's the way you're growing it man it's the expression you're getting out of it I mean that's just how plants work it's phenotypes it's expression you know it's not genotype they can change their expression if you put them in a different environment and feed them different shit. Like that's just how it goes. You know, people don't really think about that. They're like, well, it was fire for him. It's going to be awesome for me. And it's like, well, you know, <laughs> not necessarily. So, you know, kind of back to your first point, because there's so much there to jump off on, <clears throat> you know, that's, you know, again, that's kind of my problem with genetics and the whole area now as it is. I mean, you know, I, we've come to such a, a nice point in cannabis with testing and science. It would sure be nice if we kind of figured out what the heck we had really now before we kind of just keep spewing it a million miles ahead into, you know something that might not even be identifiable in a few years it'd be so murked up you know what i mean there's so many of these like you were talking people that's back cross strains now and you know like you said i it's been my point all all my argument from day one yeah it's nice that seeds of back cross for purple per uh personal use where you want to recreate you know keep your garden going yeah that's one thing but when you're trying to recreate a strain and pass it out as such uh no i don't think so because you don't even know what the breeder had in mind when you know he started what he was searching for like you said you know you have none of that you don't you don't have the original mom and pop you haven't weaned out them that's the important part and then you start working you know uh you know, it's not even that. So a lot of these strains that we got out today might are so far from what they were. That's you know what I mean. It'd be nice to. That's it. Because people don't really know. They don't really know what they're growing. They just get things that are labeled that aren't truly what they are. And I'm kind of young. I'm only 31 years old, and so I feel super blessed that I was able to have been past the clones that I have grown. I mean, I've grown just to name a few of some really older ones like Exodus Cheese. The, the original Purple Urkel, Afgui, Trom. I mean, I've grown all the chems, 91, D, 4. Um, I haven't grown cis, I take that back. Uh, I've grown a lot of different styles. I mean, I've grown, fuck, I've grown almost everything. I mean, like, my list is retarded, like how many clones that I've grown, you know? And I've, I've grown a lot of clones that aren't what they said they were. And then again, I've grown a lot of clones that I've gotten from really, you know, reputable sources and breeders and people like that that are just really, they're older than I am. And they're hard to keep around. And when you make crosses with them, it's like they're not all necessarily going to be good representations of that clone. In fact, I would say that none of them are. You know, really, it's it's a 
it's a hybrid man it's different you know and like those clones were like like special phenotypes in themselves within the seeds that they were popped from you know just like you were saying the p1 parents that they made seeds with they find that clone that clone could have been very unique in the terms of it could have had a lot of recessive alleles that combined where it got both of them and it was able to express those recessive traits you know to where all of maybe the other brothers and sisters they didn't have two alleles for the recessive trait they had one for the dominant trait which was not cheese so again you're right it's like you don't really it's very difficult i mean i I know that people are using the s1 techniques now and you know that's interesting you know because you are only combining DNA from the exact same gene pool when you S1 something. But again, it's a gene pool. And just because of the expression and the possibilities of recombination, because no matter what happens when you have gametes that are formed, which are the cells of reproduction, there's recombination that takes place. And when recombination takes place, you can have what is called crossover, which is where traits combine with other traits you know, and there's also polygenic traits that come into play with that too. So yeah, even when you S1 something, you're not necessarily going to get exact replicas of the clone that you S1, you know, for that, for those properties and the properties of being, it's a phenotype. So it's going to be different under different environments and different expressions are going to be shown with different, you know, methods of being grown. That's just how it goes. So I don't, I stopped chasing that. I stopped chasing the Let's recreate something. I had that pre-98 blueberry sativa clone uh, passed to me, which is a really special blueberry clone. And it was my goal for a long time to try to recreate that. You know, when I was a kid, I read the legends, you know, of Cinderella 99 and, you know, Brothers Grimm cubing that and making, you know, the most epic, you know, it's like, because when I was growing up, he Brothers Grimm wasn't around. They were still underground. They came back out, you know, a few years ago or whatever. But when I was a kid, they weren't around. So I never really got to talk to him and, and see the science behind what he did that for. But, you know, um, yeah, I forgot, kind of forgot what I was going off on for a second. <laughs> Something about BXs. I got lost in the BXs. <laughs> there we go. Uh, you were talking about how you can uh, self and still get different traits. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, along yeah. the line. Yeah, that's what happens is you get different stuff. And if you don't do it right, you can pass stress Hermes and then you get hermaphroditic plants. Worse. <laughs> Hermes suck. Not fun. But some plants, if you want to pass the good traits, you have to pass the Hermes because, like I said, they're linked traits in some plants, you know? So that's just kind of how it goes. You have to be willing to take. That's, that's actually the point I was trying to make. Now I remember. When you BX things, you're also recombining the negative traits. You're recombining the bad things. And to go to your point, which was what I was thinking of, you know, it's like all of the breeding that we're doing now, people don't understand that they are recombining negative traits as far as alleles that reduce the fitness of cannabis in the environment, right? So it's like we have a bunch of really frosty plants, but they're all shitty plants. If you put them outside, they would just evaporate they would just turn to dust because they're just shitty plants they don't have nice structure they don't have they're not bred for healthy root systems they're not bred for resistance against different diseases you know and they're bred indoors all the time so when you put them outside they're not used to this and you know disease and pests are designed to kill unhealthy plants 
That's what they're here for, you know? So if you put a plant outside that's unhealthy, it's nature's design to get rid of that plant because its fitness is not suitable for the environment. So it needs to be selected against, you know? So that's just something that people don't really think about is when they're recombining thing, it's like, well, I'm only going to breed for the frostiest plant. Well, you, you can't just keep recombining DNA out of the same gene pool, because if you have, say, for instance, one of those, it's just like, it's just like dogs. If one of the dogs had hip dysplasia and you keep breeding that dog that has hip dysplasia with its brother, who maybe doesn't exhibit hip dysplasia, but carries the allele for hip dysplasia, you're increasing hip dysplasia in the, in the project, in the puppies, all the puppies are going to have more hip dysplasia. And that's just a thing that people don't really think about when they're making seeds, you know, and when I'm making seeds, I'm like thinking about all of these different aspects because I really want it to be, especially having done commercial growing and been a grower forever, something that's not only special flower, but a badass plant to grow. You know what I mean? Really has a nice flower and, and flower leaf to K-lac ratio. It's not a mission to trim. It's like got a nice structure. There's good yield. The flavor transfers. It doesn't just smell good. It tastes exactly how it smells. You know, that's really important. There's a lot of plants that smell really nice, but that flavor doesn't transfer. That's a trait that you can breed for, you know what I mean? Having that nice consistency of flower to where it's not too dense or too soft, you know, to where it's just too airy, you know? Having that nice pillowy, that dank nugget, you can breed for that trait, you know what I mean? But if you try to knock it all out of the park with one cross, that shit's just not going to happen, you know? You have to breed for specific things in crosses, get them homozygous dominant, and then recombine them with other strains that are true breeding for other positive traits and just hope to God that you don't come out with something that's terrible, you know, that's just how it goes. And then kind of work your way. That's how you work lines. You don't work lines. We don't just keep, you know, mating inbreeding things. I mean, everybody knows not, it doesn't take a geneticist to know if you keep inbreeding things, it's not going to end up good, you know? So you have to outcross intelligently and then, you know, like, a lot of people don't think about you you take a male and a female but you also have a male of that female's strain as well like for instance i could take a female purple urkel clone pollinated with an atom splitter male i could get seeds from that and then i could use both male and females to cross back to each other within that f1 progeny i don't just have to use a male back to a female you know it's it depends on what each one of those plants specifically has as far as DNA what does it what does it pass on you know that's what's really important you know is what is it passing and so you have to do the tests that's why I'm always testing everything which is it sucks because it takes so much time and energy to, to do the testing but it's also one of the most rewarding parts of it because you can actually see the results instead of just making seeds and throwing them out there and oh somebody found a nice one you know it's like oh that's cool you know like oh well i knew they were gonna find that because that's what i found and that's what i made sure was in there you know that's more rewarding for me it's like when i can give somebody a 10 pack of seeds and i'm like dude they're gonna be stoked because they're gonna grow it out and i tell them i'm like you're gonna find you're gonna find sour in that you're gonna find that 90s weed where you're like damn that's sour d i don't i've never had it but i know this has to be sour d like that's what's gonna happen you know and that's my that's my passion is like making other people have that experience that I was able to have where they get something that's like super special, like, damn, that's actually blueberry. Like it doesn't, it's not just blueberry gelato. 
thin mint. It's like actually blueberry. It actually tastes and smells like blueberry. And you know, that's the point. Weed has that capability, man. It's insane. The, the variety that cannabis has, man. It's insane. So this is one of my favorite current uh, breeder questions. Do you think, uh, do you think that the indoor breeding is uh, holding back cannabis or are you guys actually, you know, strengthening? What's holding back cannabis is the fact that we, that it's illegal <laughs> and that we haven't been able to study it at a, at the, at a university level for a long time because studying crop and soil science, you see with every other crop, we know every aspect of its growth. I mean, damn near everything. There's nothing we don't know about growing corn. I promise you that if you wanna find something, a study on corn, you're gonna find a hundred of them because you know everything, you know? But cannabis, nothing, you know? And so when you think about all the breeding that we're doing indoors with all these pseudo science techniques and bro science, you know, I know what you're referring to is, do, is the environment of indoors decreasing, um, I, I mean, necessarily the quality and, and you know, I, I know that's what you're getting at, which, you know, you have to think about a lot of times outdoor plants that are bred outdoors are exhibiting. Well, not necessarily decreasing the quality is what I'm getting at. Just maybe hindering it, some of the traits that we could be pulling out of it, basically. That's what I'm getting at. You mean when, when you're saying breeding outdoors, you've got you know full environment, everything that can hit it. But when we're indoors breeding it, you know, you like you said, we've taken that genotype and now we've basically made it a phenotype. You know what I mean? And now you're basing your selections off a of phenotype, not necessarily an outdoor genotype. You know what I'm saying? Where everything's kind of equal playing field but they're exhibiting different traits you know what i mean in nature not just in a in an environment there so i'm thinking you know as we breed indoors and you're selecting just you know phenotypes pretty much are we kind of holding it back from its maximum potential you know that way you could be getting you know from outdoor breeding like the gene pool genotypes is the entire uh like selection of traits that are possible it's it's everything that's possible within that plant's dna the phenotype is what it specifically expresses right and so a plant might in its genotype have the have the ability to express purple weed but because your environment doesn't um induce that trait to be um, brought out within the plant, it doesn't exhibit purple weed, which is the phenotype of that plant, right? The genotype still is a purple plant because it has the capability within the genetics to do it, but it's not expressing because the phenotype is in an environment that isn't conducive to that expression, right? But, I, you know, with your question of being bred indoors, the thing that I always thought about breeding indoors is, you know, you're going to see only indoor expression and when you're making selections you can only make selections off of what you can tangibly see feel taste right i mean these are what breeders have used our our you know our senses you know five senses that's what we've been breeding with we rub the stem of a male it smells good must make a nice cross right well 
and that we know that's not just necessarily that's not how it works you know and so when all you can see are traits that are expressed indoors then that's all you can base your selections off of so to your point yeah it's definitely true because you're not really seeing all of the different expression that you can which is why when i make selections like when i make my atom split like when i made atom splitter i grew a lot of it outdoors and i grew some indoors because the outdoor plants are totally different way bigger families larger stems more vigorous growth you know they just grow faster in the greenhouse you know and you can just see things that are different and i really truly believe that selecting males in a greenhouse setting is just like totally different than the programs when i select males all indoor because i see totally different expression the flowers are different you know i mean everybody i mean the most basic stoner will be like that's outdoors bro because they can notice that the flower expression is different they don't they don't say it that way and see it that way oh it's the expression they don't they're just like oh that weed looks like like outdoor you know what i mean and so when you're making selections off of things like that it's going to be different and so it's it's just like all good breeders will tell you you want to grow the males out full term. You want to flower them all away. You want to grow them in as many different ways as you can. You want to stress them. You want to do, why? Because you want to see everything that that plant can express. You want to explore the genotype of that plant by putting it in different environments and seeing what the phenotypes it shows in that environment are, you know? And that's how you can get an understanding of what that plant um, has genetically. And then then you make outcrosses with it and you see, okay, well, I had a plant that always exhibits this type of fan leaf and I outcrossed it. And every other plant that has that fan leaf also has the same smell as that plant. And so you start breeding for that fan leaf because you know that that fan leaf carries that smell along with it, you know, and that, that only happens in very certain cases. That's just, that's kind of just a a random example, but that's just a way that you can use that information and that data to do, like I said, which is steer things in the right direction, you know? And so if you base all your selections off an indoor grow, then you can only see what the indoor plants are going to show you. Very good explanation. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. So let's, uh, can you uh, walk me through maybe a little bit of your process when you're, you know, putting together or, you know, thinking about putting together a string? Yeah. So um, I guess I can just give you an example. I mean, I've been talking about this Adam splitter. So like I've been trying to uh, work the chem lines and, and there's variation within the chem line. If you've ever grown chem D, you know, it's different than chem four. You know, if you've ever grown sour, it has that mass super skunk in there and it makes it different. You know, it's more, I mean, it was to the 91, but it definitely is more skunky in its flower formations and it's, you know, huge, giant sour nugget, right? You know, people have found sour nugget found about. And so um, I love sour and that's like my favorite terpene. Um, but I don't necessarily love a lot of the other traits of sour. So if I'm going to start a project, I always think about what do I really like about something and what do I not like about it at all? Like what is like, you know, like blueberry just flops everywhere and I hate growing it because it's flopping everywhere and I have to stake it up and I'm in a wheelchair. So it just, it's a, it sucks, you know, it's hard, you know? So I'm like, eh, and I don't like trellis netting things because then I can't move them and, you know, growing in a wheelchair is just different. So I have to do it my way, you know what I mean? And so that aspect of the plant, it don't work for me. So if I'm going to design a cross 
originally it will always be for it will, it will be for a one trait which is a monohybrid where it's like okay i'm gonna select late showing males because in nature the later showing males are the ones that usually don't get to pollinate right because the earlier showing males they pollinate everything you want to choose the later showing males because they have a higher tendency to pass on higher thc i mean that's not proven but it's just a way that's just what i do in my program it's not proven but it's definitely something that I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. So I use it, you know, I think in nature terms, if it makes sense in nature, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to use this, you know? So I'll use late showing males. I'll usually pick between a lot of males, you know, I'll grow out a hundred seed, you know, and I'll, and I'll cull down and I'll cull down and I'll cull down and I'll get to, you know, I'm like at 10 males or so, you know, to where I'm like, okay, these were all, um, not extremes, right? You don't select for extremes. If you select for extremes, then you run into problems down the road. You select for the middle of the road type things, you know? You don't want something that's, you know, going to breed you into a problem, you know, later down the road. So you find those later showing males, they're really nice ones, and um, you flower them all out. And you see what type of flower sets they throw. You see what it's like to work with the plant. And you assess it for those positive and those negative traits. A lot of things um, that you can select for in a male, for instance, are simple things like plant structure, how clustered are the flowers, how many flowers are there, what's the colors like, what's the smells like. I mean, it's very simple, you know what I mean? And if you're breeding for just one of those things, that's kind of easy to see. It makes your work a lot easier, you know? So I'll usually select at this point from males that usually exhibit all positive traits as far as they're good growers. They don't exhibit hermaphroditic traits. Nothing that's just getting them killed, right? They're all kind of a good set of males to choose from from the start because I've pulled down to that point. I select the one that always shows the trait that I'm selecting for. And in terms of sour, I knew that I could select the female that had the nice sour smell. So I'm going to want to select a male that exhibits the same flower set, same you know structural expression as that plant that has that smell as close to it as I can get, you know what I mean? Cross those two plants together, grow out the progeny and see how many of those progeny exhibit that sour smell. Because again, like I said, I'm only breeding for one trait in this initial cross, which is that sour smell, you know? And if I can get it to where all the progeny from that cross all exhibit that sour smell, I know that that cross is homozygous for sour. So now I, now I can use that to breed it to other things that don't have those negative traits like floppy buds or, you know, whatever it is I don't like about the sour, you know, I can use it to almost Frankenstein things together, so to speak, you know, which is a little, it's different than how most people do it for sure. I appreciate you, you know, walking us through the male part of it too, because that's a, you know, a, a frequent question that I hear is, you know, how do you select a male? What are you selecting for? I hear a lot of breeders that, you know, actually leave the flowering part out, just completely disregard it, you know. And that's, in my opinion, again, one of the more important parts of it, you know. Uh, I like my the Mr. Soul references. I don't know how, how, how you are with swears or whatever. But, uh, you know, like he says, you know, you can't... Uh, necessarily see exactly what male parts are going to come out until you flower it, you know, then you can actually see, you know, everything that's coming out there. 
he said that's you know a very important part very important part seeing that structure right there why wouldn't you want to see several like you said and then make your you know your selection there. that's exactly my point man why wouldn't you want to see why wouldn't you want to know you know so with that being said you know uh i know a good friend of mine here who I don't know if he wants me to call him out or not, so I guess I'll just go on or not. <laughs> so, you know, when he when we talk about breathing, uh, he's kind of putting forth the effort of or the idea of you know, kind of breeding with several males, you know, when creating seeds. So you get more of a a swath there of you know what's the what the potential is. Yeah, open pollination is like for preservation technique, you know. If you don't want to lose anything, right? When you're making selections, you're at that point limiting the gene pool because you're eliminating all of the other individuals that might have a different set of alleles for traits. So when you open pollen and you use a lot of different males, then what you're doing is you're preserving a wider set. It's an actual gene pool. Really what we have now are gene puddles, really, because there's not that many genes in the gene pool. I mean, like, that's why there's so many breeders out there that think they're doing a great job is because it's not really that hard to take two plants nowadays and get a plant that has high resin content and good bag appeal. It's not hard. Like literally I could take almost anything and get good resin and good bag appeal, but it's going to be terrible in a lot of other aspects, you know, and that's just, people are so used to growing that nowadays. They don't even know what herb was like back in the day, man. I, I grow 1978 skunk one, you know, and it's like, holy shit, this thing grows fast. You know, that thing is like a, it's a, it's a monster. You know what I mean? Compared to the, if you put that next to a cookie strain, candy land, you would think that cookie strain is a straight runt. You know, you would think like, what happened to it? You know, and if they were both put outside, I guarantee you, there's only going to be skunk one living on, you know, Colombian and Acapulco are ruthless man they that's why they called it we back in the day is because of plants like that not because of the hybrids that we've selected for nowadays are totally yeah their fitness is is a lot different but they've been selected for different things so you know it's nice to have a so uh with that being said some of these uh expiring uh i'm I'm not even gonna say breeders i'm just gonna say so would that be the advice that you would put forth to some of these uh, gardeners, growers that uh, want to put forth some uh, seeds for sustainability, not necessarily breeding? Would that be the route you would suggest versus, you know, just kind of, oh, that male looks good. Would you rather see them leave a few in the closet, you know, make their seeds like that? Or would you rather see them? Oh, that meal looks good. And because a lot of times when they, they do that, yeah, that looks good. I'm here to tell you, they're not taking it to the next phase. Like you said, and seeing flowers, you know what I mean? It, it stops at this looks good. <laughs> well, no, it stops at this is 200 bucks a pack, and I haven't tested it, but you know, it's probably going to be good because mommy and daddy were both lookers, you know? So that's kind of, that's kind of the game, but. It is what it is, man. You know what? I've sold a lot of F1s in my time. A lot of F1s, man, that were just made because they threw badass plants and the, both the parents were good. But 
there really wasn't a lot of deep intellectual breeding thought and programs behind, I would say about 99% of the seeds that I've sold for other breeders and myself, you know, this is new science for cannabis, man. This is the new thing. This is like, holy shit, we can actually use real breeding techniques and science to create things. I mean, and you know, what I'm doing is nothing compared to what the university is going to be doing and it has been doing. I mean, if there's, there's studies out there right now where they've already been breeding for chemotype in cannabis, you know, where they're making it to where um, they're identifying the enzymes that create certain cannabinoids and they're going to make it to where plants only create those enzymes and proteins. So they are pure THCV, pure CBD, you know what I mean? And they're only going to be bred for their chemotype, you know, and the chemicals that they produce. That's what pharmaceuticals do. And the money for breeding is going to be pushed for pharmaceutical purposes, not holy shit, it smells like the super bomb sour chem dankness. Like that's not, they don't care about that. The terpenes, I mean, the aromatherapy, you know, is going to be something else, but I mean, they're, they're interested in the chemicals, right? So that's where it's going to go with breeding is for, is, you know, and they're also going to just, honestly, they're going to just cut an allele out of one plant and paste it into another using all of the new genetic techniques that we have available to us. So what I do is, is, is different. It's more along the arm, or more along the lines of uh, selective artwork, right? Because I'm trying to create something that's in my own vision and in my own, uh, I guess, uh, desired outcome, you know, like I, I make these seeds really for myself and to pass to other people that I want um, to have a special unique plant or something that's like, wow, I'm actually growing sour D like dank sour D. It might not be the sour D cutting, but what made the sour D cutting dank and good, it has those traits. It's not the sour D cut, but it has the dank sour D flavor and taste. You know what I mean? That's what it's about. And that's what people want. Like, I mean, who gives a damn if you don't have the right exact cutting, if you have a plant that has the same traits, you know, at least the, what the, the ones that you really like. To me, that's important. Like, I've lost a lot of really nice clones in my day. And I'm like, damn, I don't have the clone anymore. I can't smoke that weed. And it hurts because I love that weed so much. I'm like, I have to have Exodus cheese. Like, it's so unique. I have to have it. If I can create a pack of seeds that I can pop, and get something that satisf satisfies my craving for that exodus and maybe is different and, and cool even in its own way has its own kind of spirit and thing going on with it that makes it really nice then that's even better you know so that's kind of you know really the goal now is to do that not to necessarily just i have to have the exact clone in seed form like that's just not going to happen you know? i appreciate the passion you've got for this by the way man you know, and cannabis really deserves some passionate breeders to take it to the proper next level. You know, I'm actually myself terrified of the phylos like breeding. And, you know, again, you know, it's one of these great tools that we have. But, you know, when it comes down to the just the few that have the tools now <laughs> yeah. and trying to, you know, it's a little bit scary the way they took it all in and kind of not necessarily are going to give anybody credit, but they've got the, they've got the map. So for so many great things to work off of right now. So, you know, would that be something that, you know, would ever interest you? Would you ever leave the artist side of the breeding and just go by like, you know, the white papers of each, you know, 
you know, the interesting thing about that question is because I am paralyzed and I do know the impacts of like having a medicine that works versus like not having one, that I've wanted to do specific breeding programs for things that stop like spasticity and people that are paralyzed or, you know what I mean? Like I've wanted to have the ability to isolate those. But, you know, when you think about it in the way that I think that you're thinking about it, it's like, oh, fuck, Monsanto's going to be some evil ass shit. You know, it's going to be all bad, man. We're all fucked, you know, it's not, but it can't be like that if we're really doing it out of benefiting mankind, right? Like if it's your brother, if it's your sister and they have cancer, like, and I can give you a package of seeds that grows like, like a certain chemical ratio that makes it to where they can eat and function, but they don't have to deal with the psychoactive effects of THC because it's counterbalanced with CBD in a ratio in a proper ratio. And every one of the plants has that chemical phenotype, that chemotype. I don't necessarily think that's the end of the world or the worst thing for cannabis in itself. You know, I think cannabis is our gift as humans to use for the wellness of mankind. And that's what we need to use it for, man. That's what we should be using cannabis for is for the benefit of mankind, man. But we don't do that shit. We profit off of it and manipulate it and turn it into like a prostitute, so to speak, you know? So it's kind of one of those things. I know why you're scared about it, but it's just like anything else, man. If we use guns for the right reason, then nobody has a problem with guns, man. But if we use them for the wrong reason, then it's like, they're the devil, you know? That's just how, that's just how it works with everything, man. It is too. And that's the part that does honestly scare me. It's not the part that, you know, we can franken the, the ability to frankenstein some strains together for certain purposes. That's not the part that scares me. That's, you know, that's awesome. Just like you said, if you could help somebody in a genuine way, you know, that's, that's fucking awesome. man. there's no doubt about that. It's the point that, you know, I'm afraid of this. It was the same atten- uh, uh, intentions when pharmaceutical labs were put together. Well, I'm going to mix this, mix this together, you know, and we're going to put this together for the greater good. But then it, it's some way along the lines, just like you stated, it gets twisted. And at some point that recipe is going to be copyrighted. And you know what I mean? I'm going to, this is mine. This is my property. I'm going to be able to charge exactly what you, I'm not going to tell you the makeup because I found it. Yeah. That's the part I'm worried about is that, you know, the other end of it would, you know, that it's a miracle plant. That's why it's kind of been put forth for us now, I believe, you know, but yeah, it's the money side that bothers me. Yeah, that's what's always going to drive it. But, you know, the thing is, like, we all know that the herb they grow in the, in the lab is not going to be turned into a flower that you pack into your pipe, man. It's going to be packed into a pill. It's going to be packed into something totally flavorless. There will be no terpenes. You know, so it's like it comes back to the purpose, right? Like some people, they don't, they could give a fuck less if it's blueberry sativa, man. They don't care about weed. They just want the relief, right? And so if we can have the plant create that for them, let's do it, right? But at the same time, like, I'm going to be really sad if the next generation of cannabis lovers that are behind me don't have the opportunities that I had to experience those special plants. Like, that really is where my passion lies is making sure that other people have the opportunity to have those experiences, man, because cannabis is crazy, unique, and special, man. And I think a lot of people think it's bullshit when they're like, blueberry weed? Yeah, right. Nah, man, like, if you've really had the right cuttings, you know that there's, like, 
insanely sweet blueberry terpenes in some cannabis that are just like, there's smells in cannabis that you would never smell unless you smelled it from that cannabis plant. They like don't exist anywhere else. They only exist on these plants, you know, and anybody that grows mint or any of these other really unique plants that has a, like a lot of different variation in the terpenes knows like, you know, it's real deal shit, man. And once you get into it, you will get obsessed with it. Like, it's like, um, I, I, it's funny because like my kids into Pokemon, you know, and it's, I feel like it's just like Pokemon. You got to catch them all, you know, you have to experience them all if you really love cannabis, you know, that's just how it is if you really are passionate about it. And that's what I have to look forward to, man, is smoking the super, I'm so, I have so many new clones right now that I'm so excited to grow out and test and so many projects and crosses that I'm waiting to get seed from and grow out i'm excited for that i think are going to be so much better than the plants that that made them you know so that's why i'm excited you know to keep going forward is i love the hunt man i love finding things that are just like mind-blowingly different and bomb like you know the first time capulator found mac he was like damn today's a good day you know so i like those days when i find things where it's like ooh, that's a special one <laughs> And showing it to other people and seeing their face like, wow, that is super unique, you know? And then the sadness when I tell them I didn't clone it and that it's dead, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, don't, I know. I don't get to do put in, I'm not putting in the work you guys do. And there's something special about them making that creation. You know, in my case, like a job, you know, doing that job at the end of the job, getting that gratitude at the end of the job. You know, it's, it's got to be a lot different or a lot deeper on your end. But I do know what you're talking about because I do it all the fucking time. And I love to do it to people that barely smoke. You know what I mean? The on the line cannabis people. I love to walk up and just put that nug under your no their nose and be like blueberry. <laughs> There's some red wine. They're like, no shit. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I didn't think it could be like that. <laughs> that's it too. That's the that's the those are the moments that make it worth it too, you know. I love those moments. Oh, yeah. Especially when it's from Again, your own. Again, I'm not awesome. I'm not the creator. I gotta give credit to you guys like that. I'm just the guy that gets to grow and put it in the ground, but it's gotta be so much you know deeper when you know you put it forth like that, you know. I think, mm -hmm. you know, that's the main reason why I do what I do is because I know for a lot of other breeders, it's got to be satisfying when they just make an F1 and there's nice plants that come out of it. But I think after a while, when you put out 50 crosses a week, that satisfaction is kind of gone. My satisfaction comes from seeing like the actual reasons that I was doing what I was doing, coming forth and being a reality. It's really, really cool to see when you're like, hey man, I'm gonna get this trait out of this strain and this other straight out, uh, trait out of this strain. And when I make my own varietal from it, it's gonna have both of those qualities. And then when you go out to seed, you're like, holy shit, they both have both of the quality. Like when you see the amount of time and effort and work that it takes to go into something, have fruits like that, that are like a little bit magic because we're putting them into seeds and they're like recreating, you know, that's kind of, that's pretty magical. I mean, it's not like I'm, going out and I'm building a Chevy from a kit or something, you know, or doing something that's, you know, this is like totally beyond man, you know, total, you know, ability, you know, so it's just, it's cool, man. It's crazy. It's like, uh, 
it's pretty magical, like I was saying. Definitely. I agree. I agree. You guys, it takes a lot of skill to do it right, too. And <clears throat> that's why I think you got, you know, people like yourself are pretty awesome that are taking the time to put it forth correctly. You know, Eric, much respect to you, brother. Much respect to you. It's fun, I, You know, I always tell people, like, I would do that. I would do the same thing without getting paid. Like, if I wasn't making money from it, I'd still be doing, because, like, that's what I like doing. Like, this is what I do. It's what I've always done. You know, like, I have to get paid from it or else I can't afford to keep doing it, you know, but... I would find a way, you know, I would definitely find a way because that's just, you know, one of the, my favorite things to do in this life, is make seeds and make my own crosses. I even like breeding vegetables, man. I like breeding everything, but it's just what's ethical, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to go start breeding dogs because I can't cull dogs. I just don't have the heart, you know, I'll cull 300 males in a day, nothing. I'll cut them all down. <laughs> but dogs, I can't do it, man. That's just not for me. So, no, you know, again, uh, you know, I got to, I guess I, I, I guess I'm hanging on the tails of some breeders, I guess, fucking because I, again, you know, that, that feeling that you, that you're talking about there, I'm very quoted in saying the fucking very same thing about doing that, you know, and again, I got that from a common friend, uh, our friend Subcooler, which is a, a long-term friend of mine as well. And uh, and he's the one that kind of has, uh, I've always learned that about the males there. The last one to show is always the, the highest seed. He's always kind of told that to me as well. I kind of think but, uh, he told me that too. I, I, you know, like I met him when I was so young and man, bless him and Miss Jill's heart. Like they took me everywhere, man. Like literally like treated me like I was his little brother, man, because he was my hero, bro. Like when I was joining the forums, like he was the biggest seed dealer in the United States. I mean, he was when I was a kid. This is like 2009, bro, 2008. He was crushing it. And he would take me to California. And like back in the day, I was known as Titan. Everybody knew me as Titan, you know, on the forums, you know, and like man, he showed me the whole world that I had no idea it was even a thing, bro. Miss Jill took care of me. Like, I know he had a lot of negative relationships with people throughout the years. And even our relationship kind of went south for a little bit, you know, and like, you know, came back around later at the end. But like, I'll never, ever forget how much that dude did for me, bro. He like, and I know for a lot of other people too, but like, I mean, I just feel like extra blessed, bro. He would do, he would go beyond what he ever needed to, to do things for me. And he passed me every clone I ever asked for. He gave me seeds to sell. He gave me every opportunity that I ever asked him for. And so, yeah, I'm eternally grateful for, for that man, dude. He was a death. Monty was a good man to me. So that's for sure. He absolutely was. Absolutely was. You know, I got to know that feeling again. I was not a breeder, not a creator. But uh, I did sell a lot of fucking seeds. And I was very noted as saying, I wish I could do this for free because, you know, that feeling of meeting people and making sure they were getting what they needed and, you know, just the gratitude of knowing, you know, they giving them the can-do power, you know what I mean? That's a lot. I've always told you, you do this right, you can have this strength for the rest of your life, you know, and you can 
This is some you find your right medicine. You can sustain yourself for the rest of your life. And there was always something very special about meeting them people, putting them seeds in their hand. I always said, I wish I could do this for free. But like you said, there was always, you know, you have to you have to keep the cycle going. And unfortunately, you couldn't do it for free. But I always did it as cheaply as possible. Shit, there was times I traveled so far and put too many hours into it that it was it was almost for fucking free. And by the time I put gas money and, you know, four or five hours into driving, pretty much was for free. But I've driven plus, so it is what it is. Things, man, and I've done so many negative things for my health to keep doing what I've been doing. I mean, I've done a lot of shit, man, from owning that 502 and selling seeds and running huge, I've, I've ran huge gardens as a head grower for 502s, hundreds and hundreds of lights and done all that shit from a wheelchair, man. Like I already know for a fact, there's cats with legs I can't do or even try to do as much as I do from this chair, man. And that's definitely like something that I think has given me a lot of advantages. You know, a lot of people think, well, that shit sucks, but I've got a lot of advantages. I don't think I would have had the opportunities to meet so many good people, so many good breeders that had so many unique cuttings. And I don't know, just the opportunities that I've got, you know, is def- I've definitely been blessed and I just take advantage of them, man. People don't take advantage of their opportunities. Like they just let it slide. And I've never been one of those guys, man. I take advantage of every opportunity I can, like attack it, you know? Just how you have to be. By the way, I remember you as Titan. Do you? <laughs> Just thought I'd tell you that. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I've known some that long. So, yeah, I do remember you. As soon as you said it, you know, you, when you were talking about Subby there, I was uh, I was trying to place it. I was trying to place it. You know what I mean? Because I know a lot of history myself. And then as soon as you said Titan, you went, I went, ah, yeah, okay. Everything just kind of fell into place there. But, yeah, that's how it was. I do remember. Monty was big bro. He was the guy. He told me one time, he's like, well, bro, I should be in a limo everywhere I go right now. And I was just thinking to myself, like, damn, this dude is killing it from seeds. Killing it, like. He was on top of the world at that point in time. He was on top of the world, man. I was like, just like, you know, happy to be in his shadow and to be a fly on the wall and absorb everything that I could. And he definitely inspired me then to teach other people and pass it forward, you know? I know a lot of people talk shit about him and I don't know all the negative things that have ever happened. I don't know him that well, but all I can say is that that dude passed it forward, man. Passed it forward. Taught so many people. That guy handed out more packs of seeds, bro, than... I know I'm not handing out that many packs of seeds, bro. <laughs> That's not happening, dude. Yeah, he he was he was a good dude. Taught me a lot of shit, man. Taught me a lot. So did Miss Jill. Miss Jill's a... Man, she knows... She's, yeah, super underrated. I'll tell you what, Jilly Bean, man... One of my favorite strains of all. I found so many nice jelly bean finos back in the day, bro. So many nice ones. I found that candy store cut. I had one that I called pink lemonade. Jilly bean or Jilly didn't like it because she don't like lemon, but it was amazing, dude. Like, fuck, it was way better than Tangy is, you know, like it was amazing. And 
I've grown the Calio and I've grown the Melvin cut by themselves. And like, yeah, for st still to this day, I'm like, man, I wish I still had that pink lemonade cut that I found. Cause damn, that thing was just, it faded nice hot or nice uh, pink fade, you know, yellow and pink. And it just had that really sweet lemonade, pink lemonade terpene and super nice flowers and the flavor transferred. It was amazing, bro. That was the thing about Subby's gear is it was flavors, dude. Everything was hyper terpy, you know? Really unique. Good stuff. Great, great. What was stuff. your favorite one? Out of subs? Yeah. Crazy quick cheese quake. Cheese quake? Uh, yeah, them probably my top two right there for sure. Did you ever grow the extra? Later the stuff. The Exodus cheese? Yeah, did you ever grow the clone? No. No, I've actually grew out my, not that clone, but I've had Exodus, Exodus cheese in the garden before. I still and have, I, I really do. I still have his cutting of do Exodus cheese. Yeah, I still have it. It's fucking amazing. That's, awesome. That's what I was telling you. It's one of my favorite plants because not only is it really good for spasticity, but it has like one of the most unique terpene profiles, man. You know, from growing that cheese quick, when you found the cheesy one, it was like, whoa, this is different. Imagine that like a hundred times that that clone is epic, bro. I've had so many crosses with it. I had a cross done by, I don't know if you remember Alpha Chronic. He's out of Oregon. He did some work with a lot of the same cuts that sub had sub passed him some cuts. And I know that he did some work with that same cheese clone, but he had a snow dog cross that was, I found a pheno, I, I named it Gummy Bear because in 502, that's what you do. You name it dumb shit because that's what people want. I named it Gummy Bear and like, that was a super unique plant. And it had that Exodus cheese terpene, but it was sweeter, really hyper sweet. And yeah, man, they, that was a good one. That was a good one. I still miss the Genius though. The Genius was my favorite cut that he ever passed me, I think. I lost it. It happens, it happens. Yeah, yeah it sounds like, like you're pretty years. good at keeping a lot of that stuff. That's for sure. Well, I pass it to the right people and hopefully get it back when I make mistakes. I mean, the only reason that I'm good at anything is because I've fucked so much things, so many things up, you know, just like <laughs> had so many bad things, you know, through mistake and error, because that's really the only way you learn. I need to uh, answer Flora Nug's questions here. I don't know sometimes why he has some silly questions sometimes. He has some good ones, too. Yeah. He says uh, he wants to know: Did I cover the seat the uh, same area as TGA Will, or did we work together? TGA Will covered Arizona and Cali, pretty much the West Coast when he came in. But yes, we did work together in the sense that we did send seeds wherever we could sell them. But if you wanted to come to Michigan and buy seeds in the last couple of years, I would have been the guy you talked to. Previous gen would have been Tony from. Galactic Gardens. We held down Michigan for the last what, 15 years. <laughs> so there you go, Flora Nux. That's the answer to your question. Yeah. Uh, I remember all those flyers, man. I had boxes of them damn flyers. <laughs> I had, uh, when Sub passed, uh, I had stacks and stacks of them fucking rolling trays. And uh, I mailed up when he passed anybody that wanted some, I mailed a couple out too. I took a list and, you know, 
just mailed out a couple. You know, I wanted, I was like, I only serious inquiries only. You know what I mean? If you had, you know, some uh, rem- good memorabilia from him and you wanted to remember him and you're not going to just, you know, take the trades and do whatever, you're going to actually cherish him. And I sent them out, man. I sent them out to a lot of people so they could have a little memorabilia from Sub. But yeah, I, a lot of them I sent out. Yeah, he, uh, after he met me, he wrote this article in a magazine, I think it was Treating Yourself, about me. Took a picture of me, wrote an article about my killer clean cut. You can find it on my Instagram if you, if you want to check it out. But uh, he signed a copy of that magazine for me and that article that he wrote. And I, yeah, I was like really stoked that I kept such good care of that. Cause that and the, I got a dank book that he signed to me that's pretty, pretty cool too. One of the original ones. But yeah, cool stuff, man. Different times, different times. But man, I'm just trying to carry it forward, man. Trying to carry that torch forward. I know a lot of people are doing like TGA recreation stuff and uh, Northstar, you know, has a lot of that gear. And I know that. Um, Jill's doing her own thing. I, I know Jill's going to put out some super killer stuff. And, you know, I, I can't wait to see what she puts out, man, because she really has a really good eye for nice plants. And she definitely knows what she's doing. And she might not do it the same way that I do it, but she definitely puts out super nice crosses. And I've been smoking the weed that she's been making forever. And it's always been some of my favorite stuff. She has, she just has a really good palette, I think, for selecting. You know, I think that she always has. So. There's a lot of other good, really good breeders out there, man. Shout out to Two Tone, man. Two Tone Genetics. I know he doesn't put a lot of seeds out there. If y'all can get a pack of that, you better pop them or, you know, feel blessed because they're super nice, man. And he definitely is putting out some insane stuff. So, and Lemon Hoko and Kaya and Red Eye, all them guys are putting out good stuff, man. So, happy just to be a part of the family, man. It is, it's the Pacific Northwest breeders is kind of like a family. We definitely, try to support each other and you know what I mean? It's not so cutthroat. It's not kind of us against the world, you know? I mean, not all of us are in the same group, you know, but the ones that are on the Discord, uh, like those 47 server and, you know, some other cats out there are definitely all a part of the same uh, kind of push to just put out really good herb from Washington and Oregon and represent, man, not put out a bunch of just watered down garbage, actually put out some unique stuff, man. We're trying to, Back in the day, man, there was crazy stuff coming out of Oregon and Washington, stuff that people want now because everything now is so the same, you know? That's why everybody's trying to find cuttings of all these old things, you know, because they want that uniqueness, that diversity. So it's coming back. I'm working a lot of, I'm working that sour line to Ken D. I'm working it to, you know, AJ Sour D. Working it to a bunch of these really nice Chem 4. You know, I'm going to work it to a bunch of these. I have some really nice, not recreations, but new solid versions of, of the chem lines and the sour lines. And I work a lot of the more mass super skunk end of things into them. So there's going to be a lot of cool stuff, man, that's going to come out. Mel's got that blueberry project that he's been working in. That stuff's amazing. And, you know, if you know where to look, man, you can still find some pretty bomb, unique shit. It's just not, it's so hyped now. And every other day, there's a new freaking sherbet gelato cookie ice cream thin mint gummy bear it's like you know it's ridiculous dude it's terrible you can find some good stuff still out there man 
So you haven't even, I don't think we've even taken time to even puff. I know. I, know I heard jars. You a flower guy? Do you dab? I mean, what uh, do you prefer there? Flowers, man. I try to keep my tolerance pretty low. You know? Kind of get that data on each one of these plants that I grow and smoke. And I'm really into the terpenes and the flavor. Really into the flavor, man. I mean, like, really into the flavor. I don't like it. You know what I mean? I'm into it. Super clean. Like, has to be. I really want to know, you know, what is going on with each one of these because it just helps me make selections. And I just want the best herb possible, man, you know? <laughs> that I like. The best is always different for other people, but for me, you know, what I like. That's what I breathe for, what I like, you know? Try not to breathe for what other people like. I try to breathe for what I like, you know? That's <laughs> the way it should be. Which most people fucking breathe or hike. <laughs> doing some crazy projects though i'm doing some i got some uh mac f1 seeds from that first drop from calculator <clears throat> sorry about that i'm gonna grow out some of those and i'm gonna do a couple projects with it and just see see what i can find see what it throws i got like three starfighter leaners and i got one that looks pretty cookie pretty cookie dominant in a lot of its expression as far as vegetative traits. I haven't flowered it out yet, so we'll see. But I'm gonna do some projects with it, man, and just see, because that resin profile is pretty impressive. Uh, if you've ever grown the Mac 1 cutting, it's got a pretty impressive resin profile. I mean, it's not like the fucking best plant ever. It's not the only, it's not the jar I grab every time. I'm like, oh, I want to smoke my favorite herb, you know, but it has an amazing resin profile, resin profile, like super nice. So we'll play around with it, man. See what I can pass see what's in it i heard those seeds aren't actually that good i heard people didn't really find that many nice things out of them so but i got that and that adam splitter project i got a lot of different breeding projects going on that i'm going to do pretty systematically here and hopefully have some seeds out in like first two months of 21 maybe first three months i'll have seeds out hopefully you know for testing for testers and go from there man mind if i take it out <laughs> it's just that kind of day. Well, I don't do the whole rig thing. I just kind of silly nectar collector. Probably the worst way to take a dab. The steel, even the, the, the titanium version, probably the least flavorful way you can take a dab. <laughs> and I used to be able to smoke bubble hats all day, but I just can't do that shit anymore, man. I'll fucking not do anything, bro. I'll get lost in creativity and shit, you know, or something, some project, you know. Oh, the hash coma. Try to stay productive, you know. Every time I make me some good bubble, that's what happens right there. Kind of <laughs> that hash coma until it's gone. <laughs> That's what somebody used to only he used to only smoke fucking bubble, bro. That's like all he that dude would smoke. He would have the nicest flowers, like the nicest flowers, and he'd be over there smoking that little bubble pipe all the time. I remember that red hash that dude, that killer queen clone that I gave him makes the craziest fucking bubble hash. Like 
pure white bubble hash like almost looks like almost looks like cocaine like it's it's special and it's like super uh heart pounding like paranoia inducing type high you know it's intense dude i i actually didn't really like it but good cherry flavor and really amazing bubble plant different plants their resin profiles really make a difference when you're making the bubble hash huge difference you find the right ones and you can just get amazing full melt and then there's other ones that you could beat it you could breathe on it and stir it so gentle and you still get hash that's like almost like rubbery and not that pleasant you know even if you freeze dry it and do it all right it's still like not that nice you know that's definitely where breeding for certain things has a huge advantage because if somebody came to me and was like yo my company only makes extracts can you breed me a plant that can product like provide us higher extracts and or as you know as far as chemical percentages and terpenes it's like shit hell yeah i can that's easy just breed down the leaf to calac ratio make it more leafy select for more resin select for the type of resin that has a easier resin head to separate from the leaf you know it's like yeah that's that's easy man you know but and no one's paid me enough to do that yet though <laughs> well maybe hopefully somebody will sometime soon hopefully right. they will sometime soon i'm for that you know Honestly, I just want to pop 10,000 seeds and do a huge breeding project and have somebody else pay for it. That's like my dream. So I can enjoy the fruits of the seeds and not have to pay the light bill because that's like a, that shit sucks, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, that shit does, I imagine, would suck. Um, you know, and again, I'm sure, I'm sure when you had that sub conversation about seeds, it was probably pretty close to this same conversation I had with him because he used it a lot. He'd be like, you know how much flour it takes to grow, you know, $10,000 worth, $10, worth of weed. Oh, yeah. I can hold oh, yeah. 10000 in my yeah, hand. <laughs> that fool always would say stupid shit like, you can make $20,000 off one plant. What the fuck are you doing growing weed for? You know, I'm like, bro, people smoke the weed. Like they don't smoke the fucking seeds, bro. Like I only, it's illegal to grow weed. You know, like I only know so many people that are nut nutballs like us and are like, fuck it. Let's pop 10,000 fucking seeds this year. You know, like there's only so many people that are into it like that. You know, most people just want to get high, you know what I'm saying? So they come to me because I have purple Urkel and, only purple Urkel will get you high like that, you know, like that's what it is. So I understand his point, which is why I do what I do, which is I, I make seeds and I don't have a recreational cannabis business anymore because I saw how shitty that was. You know, I wanted to produce the best. I grew veganically, you know what I mean? Used no byproducts from animals at all in my soils. Like I did everything to have like a really super clean product low and heavy metals i grew heirloom strains that were super nice that weren't the best yielders or you know most commercially viable like i was doing it for like guys like you and me i was trying to sell weed to guys like you and me who go in the store and like oh shit that's actually legit what it says it is and it's that cutting like damn this is fucking cool like i'm gonna that's dope i'm gonna come back and buy all the other shit like but you know there's not a lot of me and you rolling around or walking around that's the thing 
there's just a lot of people out there that are like, shit, Girl Scout cookie, sign me up, you know, sign me up for the cookie, you know, and it's like, I, I, I hate to keep like saying cookie, but it's just so hyped. I could say wedding cake. I could say Mac even. I could say a lot of shit, you know, and it's just like, that's what people know because that's, you know, the education, you know, like that's what I learned from 502 and rec is that customer education is not what me and you expect it to be like when we're talking about dank pot you know like really good herb you know like you know when you got a bag back in the day when it was fucking good you were like damn this is dank you know other people don't know that what that is they just simply don't haven't experienced it they just know what weed is now which is so different like i've grown weed for myself i've grown weed recreationally to sell I've grown read recreationally for other people to sell, which was the worst because you have to do deal with them and their ways of doing shit, which is terrible. You know, they don't care about the actual flower. They just care about the, the, you know, profit margin as they should. They have a big ass business and they're not weed connoisseurs like me and you. That's what I'm saying is it's if you're in it for like what me and you were in it for, it just don't make sense. So I was like, man, what am I doing? I'm going to make seeds. That's where my passion is. That's what I'm good at. Might as well just be doing that. People don't appreciate me spending the time and the effort and the money it takes to produce cannabis of that quality and that level on a commercial scale. They're definitely going to, my friends are definitely going to appreciate it though. You know what I'm saying? Which is good enough if I can sell seeds that other people can grow out, these facilities can grow out and it's like amazing, unique herb, you know? And like, that's good enough, you know? That's more than good enough. That's like, that's amazing, you know? My goal is to have one badass cross that everybody is like, that's blessed coast, you know, blessed coast made that cross, you know, that's the idea, right? Not to have, I don't want to put out a new line of fuckery every, you know, two months. Like that's just not my plan. You know, <laughs> my plan is to work and breed things that are special and unique. So guys like me and you can go to the store wherever it is and get a jar of it and be like, damn, that is different. That's unique. That's something that I want to have a jar of because when I go to smoke, it's like, oh, I kind of want that flavor. You know what I mean? Or like, like me with sour, like I have to have that flavor. I can't even really get high unless I have super nice sour. Like I have to have it, you know? If I didn't have it, it'd almost be like me not having weed. You know, I could smoke mimosa and orange shit all the fucking time. But if I don't have sour, it's like, dude, I don't have weed. You know, it's like, I have to have sour, you know? That's just what it is, so. Nothing wrong with that, that's for sure nothing wrong with that so you kind of mentioned a little earlier on that uh you may want to toss some of that fire out you know there's 90 some people watching right now oh yeah pretty good so i got (laughs) which is a headbanger times sour dibl and uh cross that to sour power and it's True breeding for sour. Every single one of the plants will exhibit sour terpenes and maybe have a slightly different structure, but they're pretty homozygous for a lot of the positive traits. And it's, I smoke it every day. I love it. So this is the last pack I have of it actually because I sold all of it. Shout out to everybody that bought a pack because I really appreciate you guys supporting me. And uh, yeah, this is the last one I got. So I was like, let's give it away. You know, let's get into somebody's hands, man. So uh, if you want to have everybody pick a number, and then all you can run like a random number generator or however you want to do it, bro. Oh, there's nothing random about this shit. 
<laughs> we got a system, though. I am a system. We give away a lot of beans here. We got a lot of beans. So I don't know if you're on a phone or if you're on the laptop or whatever, but uh, on the bottom there in Zoom, there's a chat that we can communicate just between us. So uh, basically, you can go ahead and uh, pick a number. That way I can verify what that number is. You go ahead and send it to me in chat. Uh, between, uh, I like to go four times whatever is in here. So basically we got, well, 97 now. So, well, oh, 97. So four times 97 would be, what, four, 388? You're trying to do math okay. on it while we're high, bro? That's way too much. That's way. Right. So we'll go. We'll go just for shits and giggles. Now we got 90. Yeah, man. We'll just go 388. We'll just go 388. One to 388. Oh, okay. So uh, that's fair one. enough. I'm always doing one. So to basically, one. what I'm throwing down is like a one in four odds, basically. Four times the amount of people that are in here. That's how I'd pick the numbers. Give them a one in four odds, basically. And then I tell them basically, you get one one chance to pick that number. If you see somebody else in chat has already got that number, then you can choose again, but one guess, one guess only, please. And you have, when we say start, you have a minute and a half to throw out that number and get your guys' guess in. And you have until you actually see stop in chat. So no numbers till you see start, and you have until you see stop. So get get your numbers in your head. I'm trying to get everything lined up here at my end. Well, if somebody's gonna win it and not like sour or chem herb, they're gonna be like the tangy lover and be like, shit. <laughs> I can't see that happen. Look at all the numbers yet. You guys better suck up them numbers till you see you start. There you go. <laughs> you guys, this ain't your guys' first rodeo. Come on. Come on. All right, here we go. We're putting start in chat right now and starting the timer at the same time. Good luck, everybody. We got 97 in chat. I want to see 97 guesses, too. Come on, guys. See some pretty good guesses. Are you able to see the YouTube chat? I got you full screens. I gotta like look for it. Oh, is that like you stream on YouTube? Pop show. Seven guesses too. Come on, guys. Uh, just pause that, and you the chat will still roll, or you can turn it down. Pretty good guesses. Are you able to see the YouTube chat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm checking it out. I got you full screen. I got it like a little bit. Was that like? 30 seconds. 37 guesses, too. Come on, guys. I don't see it yet. They're like 20 seconds behind us. Or you can turn it down. Good guesses. Are you able to see the YouTube chat? There's only four seconds left. Somebody did hit it. 
and it's going to be the first one that hit it. Because the first one, first come, first serve. As soon as you've seen that number up, you should have been redrawn anyway. The number was 333, and I believe, if I've seen correctly, that went the first person to actually hit it dead on was, uh, I'm not even, hold on with me. I don't want to say until I can see it for sure, but I, I've got an idea who it was. Right there, yep, four plants A. Four plants A was got was the first one to throw it out right on the nose. Yeah, congratulations for plants, eh? Nailing that. Good, congratulations, congratulations. Is everybody agreeing on that? Congrats, man. Nice. I had myself muted for a minute, my bad. <laughs> it happens, it happens. Trying to figure it out because I was on the YouTube thing and I was like, man, I'm too high for all this. <sighs> so for plants A, if you could please get a hold of uh Bless Coast Seeds yeah, on so Instagram. You know me at blessedcoastseeds at gmail.com. If you can't remember that, just go on uh Instagram and look up Bless Coast Seeds. And just well, they should be following you anyway, right? <laughs> they should be following you anyway. It's all, good. it's all good, man. It's all good. Hopefully, I didn't. They're usually pretty good about that, man. I've noticed that this community, you know, it's we, you know, people are introduced into the community, man. When they see somebody that they they can relate to, man, they usually go almost instantly and start, you know, popping on that Instagram because, you know, we we. We like the community aspect of it around here, you know. We like that, you know, hopefully, you know, after you're introducing yourself, you know, to myself and basically to the community, that uh, you'll pop in a little bit more and, you know, get to know some of the people that hang out here. I mean, that's fair enough. Uh, they've got to know you tonight. So, I mean, it's Dude, a bunch of cool people here. That's for sure. Yeah, bunch of cool people. Part of it, man. Love community, man. Gotta have community. Man. That's what I used to be was a community, and it's not anymore. Kind of, it is, but not how it used to be. And it's coming back to it, though. I feel like now that people are kind of banded together together against the common evil of commercialism, the people that really love, you know, the herb, they're kind of banded back together a little bit. So it's cool. I I like it, man. I enjoy it. Definitely one of the best parts of the plant. How it brings us together, you know. People that really like it. Yeah. I like, you know, the, it's kind of coincidental. I don't think it's coincidental, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> how this plant's kind of been, you know, pushed forward uh, so much lately and, you know, what it brings out of so many people. You know, I believe it really is changing society in, in a whole for the greater good. That's for sure, man. As more people get in, get into cannabis and start growing it man it is character changing character building i should say you know what i mean uh as you grow on man i think you go right along with the plant and we we all know that it has its properties its cleaning property 
properties, you know, as far as growing and pulling out, you know, bad shit out of the earth or the environment necessarily. I think it does the same thing with us as we cultivate it. You know, it just kind of draws out that negative energy. And, you know, we get that oneness when we're in the garden. And what happens? She just drinks it right up. We just smoke it all away, just like nothing. And, you know, and as we get growing, it always, it seems across the board, I've seen that as people grow, you know, I, I'm a cocoa, cocoa grower. I'm a growing organic. I'm very, I'm like right there to flipping on the floral organic side again. But that's the progression that I'm seeing here as of late, you know, and it isn't just growing anymore. It isn't just, you know, grabbing a plant, some seeds, going out there and grabbing some nutrients. You know, people are giving a shit about what they're doing with this plant. And, you know, not, o- not only has it been, you know, clean cleansing us as we're growing it, but it's, you know, making us dig deeper in ourselves and, you know, making us learn more. You know what I mean? That's the the evolution of it, man. It's just That's schooling and teaching us the whole way. It's pretty amazing plant. That's it. That's why I always tell everybody that I've ever taught how to grow. It's like the plant will teach you, man. The plant is the teacher because it's gonna kick your ass a lot, man. Like it's not all peaches and cream, man. Like it's tough. Sometimes you lose, man, and you don't do what you needed to do to keep things going in the right direction. And man, you just got to learn from it. Like I've had major losses, which are also my biggest victories because I've taught me, you know, what I was not doing or what I was doing or whatever that was causing these problems. And I will say this, man, I have grown in cocoa. I've grown a lot of different ways. I've grown mostly out of the bottle, you know, from the start and like switching over to soil definitely is a leap of faith, man. But what a lot of people don't really consider with the soil system is that it's no longer about nutrients at this point as much as it is about nutrient cycling, right? And so if you don't have the predators in your system, which a lot of people aren't getting, you know, because they're just inoculating with bacteria or fungi, you're not going to have the cycling of nutrients that you need to provide the nutrient uptake for your plant at a consistent ratio, you know, like a lot of people don't think about it this way but a really easy to understand analogy is the soil found in a forest right if you test it for nutrients it's not going to be that dense in nutrients but if you test the leaves of the trees growing in that soil they're going to be an excess of nutrient and that's because the nutrient cycling in that soil because of the biology is so rapid that it's uptaking that small amount of nutrient at a very fast rate right and so that's what we're trying to mimic in our soil is this cycling of nutrients and so if you don't have the predators the protozoa the fungal feeders the bacterial feeders that eat these bacteria and fungi that you're inoculating with you're not going to make the nutrients soluble for your plant right so it's about having that balance of biology and i think a lot of people don't understand that aspect when they're thinking about true living organics they think well if i'm using an organic product i'm doing and i'm in soil that it's necessarily true living organics but Really, the definition, the technical definition of soil is that the biology that you have is from outside. It's not technically soil unless you get it from outside. It's soilless, you know. And really what you want to do is you want to have a compost pile outside that can collect these organisms that really complete the nutrient cycling system of your soil and try to keep everything as, you know, aerated and healthy as possible. That's how you build the micro aggregation and the macro aggregation that builds soil structure. 
which provides the aeration to give you the right biology. And as long as you don't over inoculate things, you don't add too much sugar. So you have bacterial bloom because similar to the ocean, you add a shit ton of nutrients, the algae is gonna bloom and there's gonna be no oxygen. So if you add a bunch of sugar to your soil, your bacteria is gonna bloom and there's gonna be no oxygen. So I always tell people, the key to growing in soil is not killing it. That's it. So long as you can not kill it and not disrupt that cycling of nutrients, you're gonna be okay. And I've done a lot of experiments. I do experiments all the time where I just grow herb with a soil bag soil from the store inoculate it with a little compost or whatever, just some, some regular balanced biology. And that's all I do. And I use humic acid. So I don't add chlorine and chloramine to the system and kill the, the biology. I look at it with the microscope all the time, man. And it's groovy, man. They're just going right along. I got nutrient cycling. It's week nine. Plants are still green. I'm like, shit, I'm gonna have to kill this nutrient cycling because my plants are still green. It blew my mind the first time I did it, man. The first time my plants weren't nitrogen deficient and deficient in something without having to feed them from a bottle all the way through the cycle, it blew my mind, bro. I was just like, wow. And that the yield wasn't amazing, but it wasn't bad. And the herb tasted better. The expression was better. It tasted cleaner. It was danker. It's better weed, in my opinion. You know? I literally did nothing to it. That's another thing, too, that, uh, you know, I appreciate you working on as well. Is that's where a lot of the hunger is at, too, right now, is, you know, the living soil. More and more people are pushing towards that. <coughs> but um, in my case, you know, I would love to get there. You know what I mean? But as a caregiver, a cannabis caregiver, uh, it's hard to to uh, put that into fruition there and keep the cycle going. You know, I actually, you know, I don't do the larger harvest, you know what I mean? With just one, two strains, you know, all at once. I do a perpetual harvest, you know, so I try to keep the meds as fresh as I can for the patients. And uh, so, you know, it's harder to, you know. It's a tool, right? I'll tell everybody it's a tool, right? Like growing, you don't have to grow in true living organics to grow good weed. In fact, Two-Tone Willie grows way better weed than I do and he doesn't grow the same way I do. I know Subcool grew better weed than I do and he has a different soil recipe than I do. He uses blood meal and bone meal, a bunch of shit I don't like or use and he, his weed was better than mine. You know, like that's not even like the thing, it's a tool, right? It's like, just like I was saying earlier, like even I learned this in the rec game. You can't just hate on people for using veg bloom and running rock wool because it's the tool that's necessary for their type of success that they're trying to have. It's the herb that they wanna grow and they're being successful at it. Who am I to say that that's any better or worse than what I do just because I grow a different way. Now, my way might be more applicable if we're growing outside. I don't think you're gonna run rock wool with Floriflex and fucking veg bloom outside. You try, but you ain't gonna do it, you know? So it's a tool for the right circumstance. That's why a lot of people need to get over that shit of organics is the best. Man, sometimes you can't grow organically. Sometimes you have to grow hydroponically. Sometimes people are starving and shit. And you, the only way that you can do it is to produce food hydroponically. Like use the tools for the right things, you know? I think it goes back to some other stuff we were talking about, you know? It's a pretty awesome opinion on that. I appreciate that, that uh, you're, you're very open. 
and then, you know, different means of what it takes to get you there as long as you're getting you there. But, you know, basically there is a lot to be said about the organics and the living organics. It's the best way I don't, most cost effective, that's for, for sure. I mean, yeah. definitely the most sustainable, that's for sure. I do not. If it were just me, that would probably be my route. If I were the only one I was growing for, that would probably be the route. But it's just hard to keep things in the other mix. I know that's probably where I should be. But to me, you know, that's it's just hard to 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 keep that in motion, to keep everything popping like it would be. You know, Smiley's Garden. He was actually the one that threw out the the multiple males there when. Uh, Know, trying to sustain your own seeds there. He's the one that suggested But, you know, he's kind of pushing me into the organic soils there. He's got a nice take on coops mix. And again, you know, I appreciate it. I love the organics part about it, but I'm not, it's, it's organics, but it's not quite there yet. You know what I mean? I'm still throwing stuff out, recycling stuff, you know, or trying to, I'm I probably still wouldn't recycle it as much as I should just because I'm not to the stage of the game to where I could be knowingly, you know, knowing what's in it and what I should be putting back in it, you know, through the reuse, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so I'm sure someone would go out, but the where it's at is definitely the living soil, keeping that one bed alive and, you know, just keeping making it better throughout time. That's where it's at for sure. I can't figure out how to do it like this. <laughs> the theory of it is the theory of it is perfect, and you know it's like yeah, sustainability, and let's use the biology, and like yeah, it's perfect. But the practical application of it is not necessarily so for certain people, like myself, who are in a wheelchair. I can't have you know a four hundred pound bed of soil. I can't move it. If I have a limited space and I have a soil bed that big. Man, if there's a problem, something goes anaerobic, there's a problem, they have to do work in that room. Any problem like that, a real life situation, practical application, maybe not so uh, perfect, you know, so to speak. So it's one of those things, just like anything else, to figure out how to use true living soil in a way that works for you is something that's going to take time. And it's a leap of faith, man. And it's tough, especially when you're financially dependent or you have like a certain system you've developed over the years that works it's like why are you going to mess with it right something like i always challenge people to do uh and i feel like every grower should do this at one point in their life is to go pop some seeds and grow them in a bag of soil and do nothing but give them undechlorinated water and see if you cannot keep the plant green and healthy all the way through the cycle and just for the simple reason of this if you can do it by adding nothing but water, then the next time when you do add one thing, you can really see what that one thing is going to change. And for new growers, that's so important is for them to actually have a visual change to, to see and be like, okay, it changed this. That's why I use it, right? You know, like some people just learn that way. I don't necessarily have to learn that way as, as maybe other people do and I've noticed from teaching other people that man if you can grow a healthy plant with just water and a bag of soil and you can get some herb off that some nice herb then like that's a beautiful starting point for being able to see what everything does as you go along and, and becoming a good grower instead of like 
what everybody usually does, which is like research and then, oh, cannabis needs B vitamins. I gotta go buy some B vitamins in a bottle. Oh, kelp helps, I'm gonna go get kelp. Oh, coconut water, gotta use coconut water. Oh, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, that's what people wanna do. They have herb, they wanna baby it, they wanna charge it up, man, with everything they can, you know, but that's just not how it works. There's a very delicate system of nutrient cycling that goes on on your in your soil, in the rhizospheres of your leaves, you know? It's just like you can't change so, so much at once and be able to gather data that's usable later down the road. And I always tell everybody that I help learn how to grow, the knowledge is what's valuable, you know? It's not the three plants that you killed. You didn't do good on your three plants in your tent, but hey, you gained some knowledge that you can use moving forward. And trust me, you would much rather lose three plants to powdery mildew than three 500 light rooms. Trust me on that. You know, so that's just, you know, a little tidbit there for people that are just getting into the game. Like, try that challenge for yourself and old school growers. Try it. I know a lot of old school growers are like, that ain't going to work. It's going to be dead. Like, no, bro, trust. Try it. See what you see for yourself. See what happens. Like, oh, it started to get nitrogen deficient. Well, what did I do to it? Oh, I wasn't dechlorinating the water or, oh, I, maybe I missed some waterings and it had some dry out cycles and the biology died a little bit. Challenge yourself to just keep the biology alive and see what it looks like. I promise you it will, it's a beneficial experiment for anybody with one plant. So how, you know, somebody that uh, is very knowledgeable in the living soil game there, uh, how important would you say, you know, when we talk about just water, you know, how important do you think that, uh, the clarity of the water, how clean it is, is important. I mean, as far as stripping it down with our, you know, reverse osmosis and that, you know. So reverse you know, osmosis. Or would you rather see somebody actually like just, you know, run it right out of your well, right in there? You know, you know what I mean? I mean, ideally, right? Ideally. But I mean, in certain situations, they, you know, to control either corrosion in the pipes or something, they're going to add a buffer to the water. And what happens with the buffers is, I experienced this in my 502 actually, they would use soda ash in the water to buffer it to a higher alkalinity, to a higher pH. So you could add acids to it and get it down, but it would want to buffer itself back up to a higher pH, which in turn would lock out iron and you'd, you know, you'd see a shit ton of iron deficiency, which is an immobile nutrient deficiency, which sucks because you can only really fix it through fuller feeding, right? So. The thing about true living organics, and a thing that I don't think, another thing that a lot of people don't know is that the root system, it changes the pH itself all along the root system. One little root has a separate pH all along it, right? And the reason for that is because that pH is going to harbor different biology that is going to deliver different nutrients that that plant is requiring. So in turn, what I'm saying is that the plant is using the ability to control the pH along its roots to be able to tell the biology in the soil, hey, I need these nutrients. I'm going to bring this, this type of bacteria that, that, you know, can get this type of nutrient out of organic matter. And then that type of bacteria will draw these type of predators, which will eat that bacteria and make the nutrient I need soluble, right? Because the plants are putting out exudates, sugars to draw this bacteria, but they're also changing the pH. So if you're continually changing the amount of hydrogen that's in your soil, 
with pHs, right? The amount of hydrogen ions you're putting in the soil. If you're changing the amount of hydrogen ions in the soil all the time, you're interrupting all of these very specific biological processes that, you know, if you change them through ionization with hydrogen, are not gonna be able to complete the same biological processes that they would. So you need to let the plant control that pH as much as possible in a soil system. If you're using hydroponics, yeah, obviously you need a pH for salts, right? I mean, that's not even a question, you know? But that's not using biology and nutrient cycling. That's using soluble salts to directly have them flow into the, the you know, epidermis of the root and into the plant, right? It's not even using, it's not using the biology in your stomach. You're not eating the cheeseburger and having the biology in your stomach break it down and give you the nutrients. You're just injecting it into your arm. Straight form of nutrient, you know? That's just what it is. I was uh, listening to the dirt cure the other day, you know, speaking of mycology and your gut there. Fascinating book right there, you know, about, you know, what we're taking from the soils and how we produce. And <clears throat> I, they had an interesting take there about how important the mycology in their gut was, just the same as it's so important with the plants. Basically, in the book there, they were saying that the biology in your gut actually uh, controls 40% of your overall decisions and probably 60% of your overall health. <laughs> you know. We're to think that the, the, the cellular intelligence, right, is the amazing thing. It's a very crazy thing. <laughs> we like to think we're so in, in control, man, but we have no control over shit, <laughs> you know. That's another thing too. It's the the it's one of these things during through the journey of the cannabis plant, man. When you get heavy in there, man. When you start, you know, going down the organics rabbit hole and how things break up and how things work and how it works across the board, you know, and how the same nutrients our plants are taking up, they're so key and what they do for us. You know what I mean? Our bodies use. A lot of the same nutrients as the plants do. A lot of same thing. The microbes that break it down in our guts, like we can break it down for the plants. There's a lot of similarities and in the two. And we should have a lot more respect for the two. It's a, it's a, it's it's really a, a revelation. The the correlation, you know, and it, I'm, it takes us so much further, man. The knowledge that we want to learn, you know what I mean? We just keep going deeper and deeper. And as we go deeper and deeper, we kind of realize our place in it is like, <laughs> you know, sometimes we just need to realize our place and maybe step back a little bit and just let, let it happen. Just let it happen. Yeah, people forget, man, that plants are the primary producers, man. They harvest all the carbon. They harvest all the nutrients. Without the plants, there's no cheeseburgers. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no us, man. Their plants are everything, man. And it, especially cannabis is such a, and it utilizes photosynthesis so rapidly. It's a bioremediator. I heard you mentioning that earlier. It can bioremediate toxic soils and take harmful metals out of soil and it can draw biology back from the dead out of dirt you know i mean they can root super far down into their ground that's another thing that people don't think about like when they're breeding is like the root quality of what they're breeding for like 
you're not even looking at the roots when you're making selections half the time. But if you don't take into that account, you're, I mean, that's the vital, that's the most vital organ of, you know, nutrient cycling is the roots, you know? Obviously you need to have solar panels, you need to have your, your leaves, but I mean, that's just, you know, so key. So, so key to have those root systems really, really nice and healthy and be able to grow through super hard soil pans, man. That's, you know, that's like when you were talking about like, hey, by selecting for indoors, are we kind of like hurting, you know, well, we're definitely not selecting for plants that can break up tough soil pans, you know, we're definitely not selecting for plants that are going to be able to grow in conditions out in nature that are not, that are suboptimal. That's for damn sure, you know. Like I said, we're decreasing the fitness of cannabis for sure. Like it's becoming less of a wild plant. It's more of a house plant now. It's an ornamental plant, you know. You put an orchid outside out here, it's going to be dead because it's 10 degrees outside, you know. It's not, the fitness is not correct for that environment. Well, we're not really selecting for outdoors anywhere now, you know. And all the gene pools are pretty much ruined too, you know. They've all been tainted by something. So at this point, hopefully people are preserving through open pollination in those really special areas and the farmers there are being treated with, you know, respect and not conned into growing some of this shitty hype weed that we live off of over here, you know, like it's so watered down, man. I grow it all. Like I tell you what, I grow it all. I got wedding cake, birthday cake, gelato, every gelato. I grow it all. I try it all. I want to try it all. It's, 90% of it is the same bland ass high. Same bland ass high. 90% of it. Some of sometimes I get stuff I'm like, wow, I could smoke this for a certain time of day or a certain thing because but most of that stuff I'm like, ah, I just like the flavor. Most of it's too dense too. It's just too dense. I don't like weed that's like super dense. It burns like shit, you know? I don't like the hit like that. I like there's a certain type of flower I like where they hit and the flavor's consistent, you know. So, yeah. So, someone that understands cannabis as well as you do, what are, what are, what is it in your opinion that uh, isn't what is what we're missing from yesteryear? We always say that you know it's something different, you know, from this cannabis. You know, the other stuff was, you know, less THC, but it seemed to get us all messed up. What do you think? Is, what do you, What do you think is that that we've lost? Um, you know, it's been very apparent through my very short lifetime in collecting as many clones as I have that it's very easy to lose something that is unable to be replicated, right? And so, when you say what have we lost, bro, that's like an unfathomable number of different variations and terpenes and chemotypes and like unfathomable. I don't even know. I didn't even know a lot of these smells existed until I was past the clone and like, holy shit, that's amazing, right? Totally different than anything I've ever experienced in my lifetime. So yeah, that's an unanswerable really, or unfindable question or number for that question. You know, it's just like, we don't know. Just like this, like, it's as simple as like, why, why are we destroying biodiversity in the rainforest when there's all the different comp compounds and molecular compounds we need for medicines that we don't have? Same thing with herbs. You know, herb has an endocannabinoid system or chemicals that work with our endocannabinoid system, right? That 
Should we don't know what other cannabinoids, they're still finding cannabinoids right now. They're still finding them. You know, there's crazy plants out there that produced crazy chemotypes, man, that we'll never have seen. Like, that's why old timers are like, yeah, that we don't hit like it used to. I used to have a more euphoric, psycho, like a psychedelic effect, they'll say, right? That's the chemotype. That's the terpene entourage effect with the chemo, with the chemicals that those plants produce. Like, we can't, we don't have those seeds anymore. All those alleles have been, when you breed something with something else, right? If it doesn't, if it's not true breeding, it has two different alleles for the same trait. So if it's a chemotype, it has two different alleles. As you keep breeding it, they get lost, right? They just get lost. They get passed on to crosses where something else is dominant. They no longer show up. They just get, they just get lost, you know? And then those certain combinations of alleles that create those chemotypes, they're just, un, you just can't put, it's not something you can put back together. You know what I mean? You can't outcross something into a bunch of things and then just put it back together. Like, doo, doo, doo. like that's just not, that's not how it works. So of course the weed's different. It's going to be always, it's always going to be different. Our climate's changing. People are changing. Our profit margins are changing. You know, <laughs> they don't, you know, have any choice, the plants, you know, they're going to change along right along with us, man. So I'm kind of putting together a hypothesis, I guess you would call it, about that. So I've talked to a lot of people and I've heard a lot of people talking about the same subject. And I'm kind of I'm in the camp, I guess. I'm in the camp. And it's uh, talking about, uh, basically, I've heard the argument that, uh, and I'm on board with this too, that when, you, you know, a plant is seeded, you know, once it, it takes on that male pollen, the plant is going through a different chemically change, changing chemically, basically. You know, it's a whole different process. And a lot of people have noticed, you know, and talked about lately that uh, a lot of that seeded bud, it isn't necessarily higher in THC, but it's definitely stonier. It has a completely different buzz than say the same flower that would be unpollinated. So I can't help but wonder since we were so used to seeded cannabis back then, if that isn't what we're remembering is that chemical change from smoking all the seeded bud, you know, if that isn't what's lost in that, you know what I'm saying? Do you, any, what do you think about that? What are your thoughts on that? I think like, when the plant starts devoting resources to creating the compounds required for, for seeds, embryos, and all of those things that it's going to have to make when it makes a seed, it's going to be totally different than what it's going to partition for creating maybe chemical compounds that don't have anything to do with those seeds. You know, like if a plant's not pollinated, it doesn't have to devote the resources it takes to create a seed. So if it doesn't have to devote those resources to creating a seed, then we know that the chemical compositions don't necessarily have to be the same as well. So then you could think of it, hey, that might make sense, right? Because it's not having to devote the same resources, it's not gonna create the same chemotype, so to speak, right? Makes sense, I could see that. But that's the thing that sucks. We don't have any scientific testing on anything, man nothing we know more about a damn corn plant 
than we do about probably the most utilized or useful plant as far as utility purposes go of all of the plants that we know of. You know, stupid, so stupid. We're coming there. We're catching up. We're catching up. Right. Cannabis day is coming. Can cannabis this day is coming. Ah, I I'm just grateful that I'm. This is fun. I'm sorry. Yeah, man. Getting worn out. That was fun, though. I appreciate you. Well, no, no problem, man. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, very much, man. You came on. You've introduced yourself as a very great person. You know, I'm I'm very stoked that I have the opportunity to have this conversation with you, man. Awesome dude, super knowledgeable, and I'm moreover hoping that uh, you'll be a part of the community more all over. You know, more, more, more. You know, it'd be nice to see in the chats answering some questions or popping on. And that's the other thing I want to tell you before you go too. You know, I don't know how much of the show you've seen, but uh, you know, there's different variations of the show. There's, of course, the one-on-one, the spotlight, which you're doing now, and then there's shows where if I don't have a guest or the, if it does go shorter, say like after we end this, then I'll probably take me a quick break and then I'll open it up again as the wrap-up hole and finish out the rest of the night. And that's where the rabbit hole is basically anybody that's a past guest is welcome to join in anytime they feel fit. So the zoom number that I passed you tonight is the number. So anytime that uh, you see a rabbit hole or, you know, lemon hole goes on, you want to come on and talk with us and share some knowledge or at any time, if you just want to, you know, pop on, say hello, smoke a bowl with us, fucking tell us we're all fucking crazy or whatever, then please do so. Please do so. We'd love to have you and, you know, you know, you, you make an amazing part of this community. So I hope you take us up. I hope you tuck that number aside. And again, I've seen chat all night long, you know, saying how much they've enjoyed this and, you know, how knowledgeable, what a great episode this was. And I agree. I agree, man. Great dude. Great information. I've had a lot of fun tonight. Now, you know, I thank you, my friend. I am top notch person. I really believe that. And thank you. The other thing I want to get from you before you go is the sound bite. The silly part of the show, I guess, <laughs> is the sound bite. I've been a little bit neglected on it and I got to get back at to it. But when I do use these, I use them for the episode, uh, basically the commercial for your episode, like on Instagram and stuff. So basically what I'm looking for is like a radio sound bite. You know, this is Bless Coast Seeds and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle. Episode 256, something like that. Make it your own, please. But hold on, let me get the record going first. <laughs> I try to save myself some work and just cut out this portion. <laughs> Here you go. Anytime you're ready, my friend. Uh, this is Bless Coast Seeds. I'm fucking talking shit with Eagle. Check it out. Talking about breeding, oil, plasma. Thank you, my friend. Again, it has been a complete, complete honor to have you on tonight. Thank you so much for taking time with us and dumping some knowledge on us. Hopefully we see you again soon. Have a blessed night, my friend. Thanks again. Well, 
week before you go, any shout outs, any thank yous, anybody want to say hello, thank you to before you go on the way out? Whole cannabis community, man. I love all you guys. Appreciate your support. Thank you for all that, man. Have a best night. Thank you, man. Well, that that does it for this episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. I know I have. Thanks again, uh, Bless Co Seeds, for making this uh, an amazing night. Oh man, I do. I am very blessed. He his name may be Bless Coast. But I believe I am just as blessed to be able to sit here and have these great conversations with amazing people just like him night after night. So what an awesome dude. What an awesome dude. What an amazing night, by the way. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'm going to take a brief break and uh, come on and uh, get the rabbit hole fired up. To be honest with you, I don't know how much I'll take part tonight. Maybe counting on some of you guys, past guests, to hop in and hold some stuff down. Man, I sloughed off a little bit, man. I'm now working a little bit, but I got some work to catch up to do while the rabbit hole goes on. If that's something that you guys are interested in, coming on, hanging out, just having a free for all, please do so. If not, then it is what it is. I'll smoke a couple joints and talk with you guys and see where it goes thank you so much again for tuning in on this amazing thursday night i can't thank you enough if you don't follow into the rabbit hole it is what it is i'd love to see you there but i understand you can only have so much of one person's time so thanks again for tuning in you guys know the deal please do something nice for somebody random acts of kindness do save lives it saved mine more than once and I hope in my journey that I can spin it around and help somebody else out thanks again I'll see you guys in a few 